Good evening, and the Lord be with you, and it's indeed great to be with you and to share this living Word of God. I want to talk around, I say that carefully, talk around the blessing of Abraham. Many of you were questioning what's the difference between the blessing that was given to Adam and the blessing given to Abraham. Well, let's put it this way. We saw in Adam the beginning of the blessing, right at the, it couldn't be more the beginning of the human race. Adam and Eve were fresh from the hands and the mouth of the Creator, and the first thing that he did to the human race was bless them, impart to them this power which was union with him which would lead ultimately to their being joined to Jesus for he was the only way as he is the only way for man to be joined into the fellowship of the father and and so that was the plan it was given to Adam Adam refused that and so Jesus came the last Adam to restart the human race, to bring us to a recreation which was us humans going through death in him into resurrection, the last Adam. But how did that all take place? How do we get from Adam and his sin to Jesus conquering sin and bringing us to that blessing? How do we do that? Well, we'll go back and see how that took place. And that's where we meet with the blessing of Abraham, which is indeed that blessing that was always promised, only now it is being brought back into the human race. And it's going to take the whole of 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus in order to bring this human race that has gotten so far into darkness and lies and sin to even comprehend what this was all about. And so um, we're going to look, not in a total way, we'll be talking about this here and there for weeks to come, but we're going to look at the seed of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham. So after Eden, we're going back to the beginning now, to see how God got this blessing back into the human race that ended in Jesus. After the Garden of Eden, mankind plunged into not only darkness, but every kind of sin. And as the human race multiplies and fills the earth, that sin spirals deeper and deeper and reaches out. Mankind reached out actively to be joined to demons, to Satan himself. And this was such a ghastly thing beyond human words that it ended in the flood. The entire human race was corrupted by demons and so that human race, the human race that was about 2,000 years long and a race that filled the whole planet, but that disappeared in the flood. 
And there was only one family that comes through the flood, the family of Noah. And God blessed Noah, but there's little said about that. Um, and, and as they come through the flood, and eight people step out of the ark onto the wet, soggy surface of Mount Ararat after the flood had subsided. And there begins this half of the human race coming through Noah. And uh, tragically, the, the line of Ham, especially his children, um, they were very well connected with the darkness of before the flood. And so it's only a matter of very short time before they have left Mount Ararat and they have come down to where Babylon is today on the river Euphrates and the river Tigris. And there they have entered into some pact with the devil. And the Tower of Babel begins to be built. I could speak all night on what I have just said in the last three minutes, but I'm not going to. It's enough to say the Tower of Babel became the very center of that very small population that was the world of that day. But the center in terms of demonic darkness, idolatry, witchcraft, and all manner of sin. And so the Lord came in Genesis chapter 11, and there is the great scattering how I'd love to spend another hour on that. How this very small population that was called the world, that had come so recently from eight people, is now scattered to the four corners of the earth. Their languages are confused. They can no longer understand each other. And they go, but they carry with them the darkness of the Tower of Babel. And so, wherever they went, this is, is where they lived, under the uh, domain of darkness, uh, with, with demonic influence, with idolatry, with witchcraft. It became many faces, but basically the religion of the world. Now, now where, where are we going from here? And, and this is, you, you've got to feel the adventure of this. Where are we going to go from here? How shall God bring the blessing? You see, we are not full human beings without the blessing. We're not. We were created to be united with God through God the Son, Jesus, and to be united thus through the Holy Spirit. And, and to walk as the sons and daughters of the Father. That's a full human being. Whatever we're doing in this planet, uh, that's the only way we can function as full human beings. And the promise of God in the Garden of Eden was that he would restore. He would crush the head of Satan. And he would bring us back. But how shall he do it? I mean... <laughs> Do you get the picture? Here is a race, our race, the human race, and it is determined to run away from the true and only God and to put up empty sham substitutes 
turn this beautiful face of the love of God into a twisted, distorted monster of a judge who wants to crush us and damn us. And they're running for, running for all their life to get away from him. And, and, and the, yeah, they desperately need the blessing. I'm, I'm not sure they would know those words, but they know what's missing. And so they, they seek a counterfeit. Here, the love of God would give the blessing, which makes us fully alive. But mankind instead turned to counterfeit. It's a counterfeit of blessing, witchcraft. And, and so through witchery, through demonic powers, they seek to become prosperous and they seek to have power. Or they, they, they turn to luck. Yeah, there's another long story. Um, they, they actually worship, by the time the Romans came, they were worshipping luck. Can you believe that? They worshipped luck. And they called the goddess Fortunas, Fortunas, from which we get the word fortune, and literally translated today means Lady Luck. Uh, the, the, this, they, they search, they, there's got to be something, something that makes me more of a human being than I am in myself. That they turn to the stars. And the psychics interpreted the stars. And you have it as far back as we can go. They turned to the signs of the zodiac and tried to find blessing in the stars. And the, the gods that they worshipped, which were basically no god demons, but they sought by sacrifice, human sacrifice, they sought the favor, that's the word for blessing, favor of the gods. Well, what's God going to do? For it's a man who must bring back the blessing. Man, mankind, sold the blessing. Well, he didn't sell. He gave the blessing to Satan. And Satan became the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air. It's a man, a last Adam, you see, that has got to bring this back. But there, is there a man? Is there anybody that can become the, the one through whom this one will come? And so the grace of God, for <laughs> there's no other word to use, the grace of God, sheer grace, came to a family, specifically one man in the family, that was in one of the grossest idolatrous cities of that day. It was called Ur, and it was in the most ancient civilization called Chaldea. It was a city which today is still there. In fact, it's more than still there. We've dug it up and you can see the houses. You can even see the school books that Abraham used. Uh, God came to Ur, a city given to the vilest, most bestial expression uh, of worship of sex. Uh, and, and sex under the name of Nana and Ningal, which were alleged to be the gods of the moon, god and goddess. And the whole city of Ur was given over to this vile idolatry. 
In fact, you couldn't live in Ur unless you were dedicated to these two demonic gods, God and Goddess. And so I say grace. There was no reason to be found. But he, Stephen said in Acts chapter 7, I believe it is, that, that the God of glory made himself known. He appeared to Abraham. To Abraham. He, he came. God joined himself to this one man in, in Ur. And it would appear that Abraham and his father Terah, that they made little silver images of the god and goddess. I mean, they were in this stuff up to their earlobes. And he made known to Abraham an incredible news. He said that he would bless him. And that he must get out of this vile city and leave his family that were immersed in it and go to a land that he would be shown and he would become the father of a great nation. And you have the record of what was said to Abraham. It's in chapter 12 of Genesis. It's a pivotal text. The, the rest of the Bible refers back to this text. This is where it all began. When God joined himself to this idolatrous family and revealed himself for who he truly is and said, and let me read it to you. Genesis 12, verse 2, I will make you, Abraham, a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that I say it's the, the, the pivotal statement. It's repeated in many different ways throughout Genesis as it's given again to Abraham and it's given then to his son Isaac and to Jacob and so on. And it's referred to many times. But hold that one. Genesis 12 2, That's the original and within it is everything else that would be said. In chapter 22 of Genesis, verse 16, um, that it's an expanded version, and some of the words are very important in this one. He said, by my swell, myself I have sworn. God says, I have made an oath, and I've sworn by myself, which in plain English today means that God said, I will do this even if, it kills me, and if I don't do it, then God will cease to exist. That's what it means. By myself I have sworn. And he says, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed or your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. I might say, it says there, especially in Genesis 12, all the families of the earth. Well, all the families of the earth, just a, a hundred or so years prior to this, had been scattered. 
families. I mean, that scattering was not great masses of people. It was just little families. And, and they went here, four corners of the earth. And as I say, went in their darkness. Well, now in Genesis 12, that had happened in Genesis 11. Now in Genesis 12, he said, all those families of the earth that have gone in their darkness, I'm coming in through you, Abraham, and through you. And he says specifically in chapter 22, and your seed or a descendant of yours, all those families. All those families shall be blessed. You see, you were one of those families. I was one of those families. And, and, and he says, everyone, I'm going to catch up with you through, through. I'm coming through Abraham. And through Abraham, there will come eventually one seed, one descendant. And through that descendant, every family of the earth shall be blessed. Pivotal verse, pivotal. It says, Abraham would be blessed. And in his specific seed or descendant, every family of the earth now scattered in darkness would be blessed. So, you see, people think that Abraham and Israel that followed him and becomes the Old Testament people of God... People think that they were blessed to be blessed. You know what I mean? You know, Abraham was chosen and Israel was chosen. Wow, good for them. They were chosen. Jolly good. No, no, you got the whole thing wrong. Abraham was chosen in order that every family in the earth might be chosen, you see. Israel was blessed and favored and chosen in order to bring forth Jesus that in turn would then bless every family of the earth. Oh. And it says, not only so, on the way to that, every person that Abraham met, he would be a blessing. So he, he was not merely the depository of blessing. He was the distribution center of blessing. And anyone who would listen to this man would be blessed. And on this journey through history, Abraham and all the family that followed in that journey, anyone was welcome to join him. This was not an exclusive club. Anyone was welcome to join. It says, those who bless you, Abraham, I will bless. And so if a person blessed Abraham, that is, they spoke a good word concerning this revelation that Abraham had. It didn't matter who you were. If you would believe this God who was revealing himself to and through Abraham, then you could join in with the blessing. And so it was all through the history. People came from other nations and they believed upon the God of Abraham and were blessed. But also that blessing was a protection because Israel, the people who came from Abraham, they must be protected. For within Israel, there is the line that will end in Jesus. 
And that line must be protected at any cost for that line, that genealogical line that comes from Abraham through Isaac, through Jacob, who became Israel, and then his son Judah. There is the, the hope of the world, the savior of the world is in the womb of this people. And so he said, if they curse you, if they're going to attack you, then I am your protection. I'll turn it back on them. I am your refuge. I am your shield. You see what he's saying? And he said to Abraham that he would be blessed. I mean, the blessing is Jesus. But on the way there, Abraham is going to be a model. He's going to be a description of the blessing to the world. And he says, I'll make your name great, which means you, you will you'll have an identity. You, you will be honored. You, you will have glory upon all that you touch and all that you do. You will have influence. The word actually means that you will come to your fullest fruition as a human being you will grow up to your fullest potential you'll have the aura of God's presence in you and with you your name shall be great and of course to the Hebrew people the word name meant your essential your core person and it says you from your innermost self to outermost all that you own and you possess you will know my power and you will know fruitfulness and you will know abundance and you will know life I, I, I say that that was given to Abraham while he was in Ur and he left Ur following this revelation and as he leaves Ur following the revelation and comes to Haran they stop in Haran um, which was at the head of the further up the river Euphrates. And, and I believe that was because he listened to his father, who just couldn't live without his old gods. And so finally, the old man Terah died, and then Abraham began to move across toward the land of Canaan, following the direction of the Lord, who said he's going to give him this land. Interestingly, and again, I'm going to say it, I'd love to stop, but the land of Canaan, which became the land of Israel, and Jerusalem in particular, is at the very center of the world. You put a compass in Jerusalem and draw a circle, it's the center of the world. And of course, this is where, this is where, God is going to reveal his love purpose. This is where he's going to do the impossible. He's going to come and join our humanity. And it's going to be here in this land. And so it's got to be this land, the center of the world, that the good news may spread out from there. Given to Abraham, sheer grace, sheer grace, love. Love that boggles our mind. Why would God bother with a people that spent all their energy running away from him? But no, he came through Abraham, sheer grace. Then what does Abraham do? If God has done this and said, I'll bless you, 
and through you I'll bless all families of the earth. What, what, what does Abraham do? I mean, this is a gift that's laid upon him and upon his family. This is where this becomes the most important area of scripture because it lays the foundation for everything that follows right up to you sitting listening to me tonight. The only possible response, hear me very carefully, the only possible response to this gift of sheer grace and love, the only, underline it, write it in purple, the only possible response to this 300% gift of God is faith. You, you cannot understand the unconditional love, the grace of God. You cannot understand that without at the same time understanding the only response to that is faith. If this is totally given gift, then the only response that can be made is faith. It is utterly ridiculous, illogical to think that the gift being given is now going to demand the response from me of working for it or deserving it. Abraham, deserve an idolater in the most bestial form of idolatry. God reveals himself to him. What, what, what can Abraham do? It, it's faith. And you can't talk of, of the blessing of Abraham without spending time on this faith because this is where it begins to be described, what faith is. You see, in the New Testament, whosoever believes upon him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, what does believe mean, you see? Because it, we're not talking about just believing information. That This word is a word that joins you, joins you into the gift. The gift is given. And what we're talking about here, faith that began to be defined and described with Abraham, that faith joins me to the gift. So Abraham becomes the prototype of the person, the believer who walks in and enjoys the blessing that ultimately is revealed in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? Abraham is the prototype. So he's the father of faith. And, and the New Testament says that he's in that sense your father we have a direct line back to abraham because we live in christ with the same faith that began to be defined described and lived out in abraham so the way of the righteous person and righteous means to walk in step with and harmony with the way of the righteous walking in the blessing is faith Faith is the protocol of heaven. Please get this. Faith, 
this kind of faith we're talking about is the protocol of the blessing. Faith, that's how heaven operates. You see, Adam had disconnected with the blessing by the disobedience of unbelief, which in Hebrews is called the evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief, the unfaith, is the absolute opposite of what walking in Christ and in the blessing is all about. And so um, we've got to understand that this is a vital word. And a person who says, well, I don't have faith. Uh, you obviously don't know what we're talking about. Um, if you don't have faith, then, then you, you have uh, slammed the door on, on union with God and with the blessing. No, this is basic. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is a believer that spans the whole Bible. Abraham, the believer, you, the believer, it's all by this faith that is being spoken of here. I say again, Adam deliberately disconnected, not only with the blessing, but with God himself, who is love. And it was through the disobedience, that word again is always linked with faith, uh, rather with unbelief, disobedience of unbelief. He chose to obey the lie. And so the blessing is always made effective by the obedience of faith. So this is it's vital. We understand what we're talking about. What, what this faith is, which is the only response that we have to the grace of God's gift. And so in Genesis chapter 15, incidentally, I'm talking between Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis uh, chapter 22. What I'm talking about tonight jumps around in those chapters. And in chapter 15, it, it comes to a head. He has come from Ur, he'd stopped in Haran, and now he's made his way into Canaan, which one of these days will be called Israel. And it says there that... Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Believed. That's the word you see. That's a word all over the New Testament. And, and it's all over the Old Testament too. He believed God. That, what is that? What is it to believe? You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm emphasizing this because we live in a weird world today, and specifically a weird world here in the United States, the whole Western world, but especially here. We, we, we have an, uh, an atmosphere today in which it's very easy for people to say, I believe in Jesus, you see. I believe he rose from the dead. And, and in the same breath, they, they might say, you know, I believe in Abraham Lincoln. I, it's, no, that, that's not it. That, that's, yes, intellectually you believe there was a person called Jesus. And yeah, they, they say he rose from the dead. What the heck, I believe it. No, 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 no. Abraham believed God. What does that word mean? What is the faith 
that began to be made known with Abraham and came to its fullest expression 2,000 years later with Jesus, the seed of Abraham. That word in the Hebrew language, Abraham believed. That word believe there in Hebrew. I can give you the Hebrew word. Would you believe you know it? The Hebrew word there, believed, in Hebrew is Amen. Amen. Yes, Amen. We, we've taken that word into English. Amen is a Hebrew word, and it's there. You could say, if we transliterated it, which you really can't, but we would say, Abraham amened God. So, that's the first step. Faith is from the heart saying amen. So what is faith? Well, let's begin to look at it then. Faith is the blessing is declared. Follow me carefully here. This is where faith begins. The blessing, which is going to be by the Gospels is going to be the Gospel. Jesus is ultimately the blessing. The blessing is declared. It's made known. It's spoken in the Word of God. So God spoke his blessing to Abraham and said, In blessing I will bless you. He said it. Abraham heard it. But he heard it at a heart level. This isn't your intellect saying, oh, how interesting. Uh, yeah, 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 how are you? He said he blessed me. That's fantastic. No, no, no. This is hearing in my heart. And therefore, it is hearing the word of God with the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And the Word of God is that He wills out of His unconditional love to bless us, and He has done so in Jesus through the Holy Spirit in us today. The good news. And so, faith is, I hear something. See, you, you go back, whenever it happened, wherever it happened, in, in a church, reading a book, or hearing a preacher, or someone sharing whatever, you heard the word of God concerning the blessing who is Jesus. And you might have heard that a thousand times before, but that time you heard it. The Holy Spirit made that word alive in your heart. You heard it. And you said, Amen. That is, you heard. Faith began. It began to arise in your heart when you heard that God was revealing himself as the one who loved you and had given himself to you in Jesus. And in Jesus you were reconciled and brought back to the Father. You heard that. It was God saying, yes, 
I am saying this to you. Yes. And you responded with amen. That's the way it is. So it is. And you, you abandon to that word. Yes, it is so. It's the meaning of amen. So be it. So it is. In that one word, there is an abandonment. Can, can you grasp this? That here is this incredible news. News that changes the whole meaning of life. Changes all the destiny of existence. And is the most mind-blowing, world-view-changing news that you've ever heard. And to believe it in the biblical sense is, Amen. That is the way it is. And if that's the way it is, then everything you had believed about meaning and purpose, everything you believed about Jesus, everything you believed about God, comes crashing down. In fact, to say amen to that, you die to everything you were, and you come alive to a whole new life that's centered in Jesus. That's how it worked for you in this new covenant since Jesus. But it was the same with Abraham, only he didn't have the clarity that you have. But he abandoned himself. I've just heard the craziest news I've ever heard. That a God I never knew revealed himself to me, said he would bless me, said that he would make me a great nation, that I would have a great name, and I would bless others, and above all and everything, all this would sum up that I will have a descendant who will bring blessing to every family of the earth. That's got to be the craziest news you've ever heard. But I commit myself to it. I abandon myself. I say, Amen. That's, that's faith. It's a, well, that changes how I look at the world. It changes how I look at God. My worldview, my expectancy of life, everything changes. Accepted that word as final truth, unchangeable truth. And it doesn't matter what anyone will say. It doesn't matter what anyone will do to me because of it. That is the truth. Amen. So be it. So if, if I give to you a gift, your response is amen. So be it. You've given a gift and I'm taking it. Faith is that act of taking the blessing, the word of God that is containing the blessing and making it mine. You said it. You have given it. I take it. Thank you. It's mine. And it's mine now. And in that relationship is beginning for love gives and faith is love though it flickers 
but it's receiving and a relationship. You see, though there's so much of it in the United States today, we cannot live on what I call outer information. Just hearing, you know, verses from the Bible, hearing Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus died for Jesus. It's all outer information unless I recognize that is the truth and I abandon myself to it and I take it for me that it shall do in me all that God has promised. It, what we hear, the word of God, must become ours. It must become not outer information, but it must become literally part of my inner man. It's, it's got to become part of my very spirit, my heart core. So, Abraham did not merely have an outer man information, but in the Amen, he became one with that word and entered into this relationship called righteousness and all the dimension of the blessing. Everything that we will say concerning the blessing in the weeks to come all hinges on this. The blessing is there. He he accepted. And please understand, Abraham was a normal chap. This is incredible what, what he's hearing. But he, but he accepted it. God said it to me. I receive it and I receive its promises as final, final, undisputed, undebated truth. And therefore, he expected that's part of it. Because this is truth, it is so. This shall happen. Now, the clearest definition in words, Abraham becomes the definition over the span of his lifetime. But the clearest definition that we have of this in, in, in definitive words and actually, having given us the definition, it goes on to say that's the faith of Abraham, is in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, where it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let me take a few minutes to talk about that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance it means that which stands under. That's the literal meaning of the word. It stands under. That is the foundation upon which you can build something that is real. That word, we've translated substance, but the word was often used in New Testament times to describe well, it, it, it described the legal papers that proved and upheld the ownership of property. That is, these papers, all of which proved that that property is mine. These papers uphold my right to that property. Today we would call it the title deed. And they used this word to describe those papers. 
So you could say that faith is the title deed. It is all that gives me absolute assurance that everything God has said is absolutely true and is now mine. For you see, once you have the title deed in your hand, it's your title deed, then the property that arises out of that title deed is now yours. And the fact is, you might not have seen the property yet, but you're holding property that might as yet be unseen in your hand. You have the right of ownership in your hand. It's substance. Faith is the substance. I honestly, right at this moment, I feel the tingling wonder that God has given us his word of blessing in Jesus Christ as he'd given that to Abraham. Abraham said, Amen, and it was his. He had the title deed. Everything God said is. And you and I have believed upon the seed of Abraham, Jesus. And in this micro moment as I'm talking, all that has come in Jesus Christ is now yours. You hold it. That's when you said the Amen. When you believed, when you rested into Jesus and said, He's the final truth. Does that make any sense to you? See, faith makes present in your heart that which may not yet have any substance in the material world of senses. So I, I, I can look at myself and give self-evaluation. Or you could go to a very legalistic body of people and they'll do it for you. And they'll tell you what a wretch you are and how far you've fallen. But you see, my self-evaluation is turning away from what God has said is mine in and through Jesus. And so my amen is concerning him and what he's done not how right now I'm shaping up. And therefore, all that Jesus Christ has done is now mine, period. Is, is, now, now, mine. So I can say to you, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, actually resides in me, in my core person. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that is the truth. Though it doesn't always look like it. Yet that is the truth that is constantly shaping my life. And I can look upon every other blessing that is within that blessing. 
blessings of the body, blessings material, blessings mental, blessings emotional. And I can say that is mine. Faith takes it. Faith appropriates it. It's mine. For he gave it and faith takes it. You see, it's, it's, this, this is not knowing about something. This isn't, what? This isn't saying, well, that, that's true. This, you see, there's plenty of people that know about truth. I, I've lectured in Bible schools where they know about truth. But they don't believe it in this sense. They believe it as facts of history, but they don't believe it. They've never said the amen in the sense I abandon myself. That's life. That's truth. This, this word we're talking about, faith, is having that truth actually conveyed into me to be substance in my heart. And finally, be manifested as substance in the material world. Whatever God has said, I take it. It's truth. And I, I give myself to obey it. And that word, as I've said before, means to be submitted. It, it, it means to stand under the truth. And, and of course, if not... The Hebrews 4, it's worth a read, um, speaks of when Israel, the descendants of Abraham, came to the land of Canaan, the place God had said, I'm giving it to you. You understand? I'm giving it to you. And they knew it, and that's why they were here. But when they got there, they said, this is crazy. We're, we're a bunch of dumb idiots to even think that we could ever possess that land. That's impossible, impossible. And they turned away. And Hebrews 4 says that the word of God that had been given, the blessing of Abraham that had been given to them, did not profit them. It didn't work because it was not mixed with faith. That is, they said, isn't it interesting? God said that, but it's crazy. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's impossible that we could take that land. It's foolishness, stupidity. Anybody who thinks that's stark raving mad. So they knew the truth. They could quote it. But they had not from their heart believed or, I take it, it's mine and therefore, whatever appearance, whatever I see around me, whatever my senses interpret of life, the word of God, I've given myself to it, and that's the final truth. Come hell or high water, the word of God stands. Hebrews 11, uh, further on in the chapter, verse 27 it calls it seeing the invisible. Yeah, it might not yet be visible to your senses, but with heart eyes we see it. That's the truth. That's the truth. 
so faith is not a phantom wish and you hear so much of it people you see it's it's a lot to do with media it's a lot to do with well a lot of things but but people interpret phantom wishes you I, I, I'm believing, I'm believing, believing what? I heard a chap on radio say, you've got to have faith, got to have faith. Oh, he never told us what to have faith in. I, 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 you see, the danger is you go to Barnes & Noble or any bookstore, go to self-help, and you'll see all books on faith. But this faith has got nothing to do with that. Nothing, nothing. Nothing. This faith... It's a faith that is inspired by God in his word, by the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. The faith that you see in the self-help section is faith in yourself. I can do it. See, so you, you, you have faith in how much faith you've got. Good grief. No, nor is it what you hear people say, well, I've prayed and I just hope so. I hope we'll wait and see what happens. No, this is not up for grabs. The mo see, at the end of every prayer you pray, you, you make this statement, don't you, you see? At the end of prayer you say, Amen, that's it, you're committed, you're abandoned, that's the way it is. Well, if, if nothing happens within three hours, we say, see, there's nothing to it, I just, no. Are you beginning to understand this? I would to God, I could see your eyes. And then says Hebrews 11, 1, it's the evidence of things not seen. Evidence, that's a word which means it evidently proves or declares something. It's, it's the way or the means by which the invisible is demonstrated or revealed or made known. And so one other word that you could put there is the it's conviction. I'm convicted. I've got undeniable proof. And so, here I am. I have believed. And I say, Abraham was the first in Scripture to actually learn how to live in faith. And his tutor was the Lord himself. He taught him. And he lived by faith. And that faith is the same faith that you and I have. Now, of course, the, the faith that he described, we'll have to get into that next week, but um, it, it was absolutely incredible because when they left Ur of the Chaldees, he was 75, and his little wife, Sarai, she was 65. And, of course, they were childless. And so to say they're going to have this great nation, I mean, you've got to start with one, at least. You've got to start with one. And, and, and here, um, we don't have one. And 65-year-old lady, it's a little bit late to talk about starting a family. And, and so when the Lord said, you'll become a great nation, and Abraham said, Amen, he is saying amen to the ridiculous impossible. And the reason it spread out for so long, for it was uh, another 25 years before the child was born. And why, why, why spread it out that long? So that Abraham could learn how to walk in faith, but also to make it yet more impossible. Because you've got to understand all blessing 
All blessing is impossible to human logic, human understanding, and human power to bring forth. And so with Abraham, he waits until Abraham is, is coming on a hundred, and his little wife is 90 years old, and, and he says, now we're going to do it. And that no wonder, both of them, Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and Sarah, who was hiding behind a curtain when she heard the Lord say that to Abraham, and she just burst out laughing and had to cover her mouth. Because she said, I mean, utterly ridiculous um, that they had believed, but now to really face it was utterly ridiculous. But he said the amen, and Sarah said the amen too. And the result was she had the very power of the Holy Spirit in her body to carry a child. Now, I've only got seconds left, but and I don't know much about gynecology, but I think if an old lady 90 years old is going to suddenly have the ability to bear a child, there's going to be some changes in her body. As I say, I, I, I don't know much about this, but there'll be hormonal changes. There'll be systemic changes. I mean, she's going to suddenly be back in her 30s or so, at least in her body. That would explain why after this, some of the local kings wanted Sarah in their harem. Um, she had a total rejuvenation. It was, but for 25 years, Abraham carried the substance of that child in his heart and said, it is so. Think about that. For 25 years, he saw the invisible. It was invisible to anyone else, but it was in his heart and he knew it. And then the substance of a babe in the womb of Sarah that became a little toddler running around the campsite became a reality. I, I don't know how this has communicated to you tonight. It's a, it's a massive subject and I wish we could start again in half an hour and have another hour together. But... I want you to know that you are in that same family as Abraham, operating in exactly the same way, and this is who you are. And what I am moving toward week after week is that you should begin to realize the extent of the blessing. And by this kind of faith, biblical faith, take what is yours and see it germinate or become substance in your heart and then become substance in your life. Let me read some verses and then I'm closed. In Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 9. So then those who are of faith, that is faith in Christ, this faith we're talking about in Christ, are blessed with Abraham the believer because he was the first one. Did, did you? Because I'm talking about you as you're listening. So then, those who are of faith, that's you, 
you have believed upon Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. You confess Jesus is Lord by faith. Those who are of faith, you are blessed with Abraham the believer. Verse 14. In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. You and me for the most part anyway. Maybe some Jewish brothers out there. But most listening to me we're Gentiles. But it says in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to you and I so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the Holy Spirit dwelling in you is the ultimate of the blessing of Abraham. And it said it twice now, you are of faith and you receive this blessing through faith. You have. Don't you realize it? I'm talking about is. You is this. I'm telling you what's happened to you. You believed. You rested. And this is yours now. Verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, Gentile. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs of that blessing according to the promise. I pray that this has blessed you and will bless you over the next hours. Before I bless you tonight, I want to say that we have added something to how you can get a hold of this message. And um, we now have all of the blessing series up to this moment on podcast. And I'll be very honest with you, I really don't know what that is. But I do know that it's important, very important, that I tell you, because you're much more literate in those things than I am. And so, from the blessing on, these Tuesday nights are on podcast, which I believe you access on YouTube. Okay. And now, may the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Open the eyes of your understanding. Open your ears to hear. And bring you to see and to walk in faith. That you might appropriate every blessing that is yours in Christ Jesus. So I bless you. And indeed, amen. That is the way it is. Please email me your questions about this message or about the topic of the blessing and I'll include answers as we unfold this series.
Amen. I'll see you next week.